Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Virginia Lamb Abrams. Virginia is the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs and Strategic Advancement at the broadband service provider Starry, where she also leads the Starry Connect program, a company initiative that works to get broadband to people in public and affordable housing. She and I discuss how Starry's service works and what sets it apart from other providers, how the company is able to reach lower income communities with Starry Connect, and what policy changes are necessary to closing the digital divide. So, Virginia, thank you so much for joining me. It's such a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm excited to talk to you about Starry. To kick things off, maybe tell tell us a little bit about what is Starry, where is it active, and technologically speaking, how does it differ from your average internet service provider? Sure, absolutely. Well, Starry is a competitive broadband provider And our mission as a company is to connect as many people as possible to affordable, high-quality broadband access. And we do that by utilizing our unique hybrid fiber wireless technology to deliver a high-capacity broadband connection to your home. Now, that's a very fancy way of saying high-capacity fixed wireless. And what that means is our last-mile connection to your home is wireless, which means we can deploy our network faster without the typical disruptions that are associated with digging up streets and sidewalks to lay cables. Um, Today, we're active in serving customers in five major metropolitan areas, including Boston, New York, D.C., Denver, and Los Angeles. But what really um, distinguishes Starry from other internet service providers, um, setting aside our innovative technology, it's really our customer-first approach. Um, And it's our simple and transparent one-price billing and our commitment to consumer privacy and net neutrality. Um, And it's really the home experience that the customer receives um, when they choose Starry to be their internet service provider. Our approach has always been to really put the customer at the heart of everything we do. And, you know, that really, that combined with our superior technology and our ability to deliver an affordable, low-cost, high-quality broadband connection is really kind of our secret sauce. How do you choose? You you named a, a handful of cities where you're currently live. How do you choose where to deploy the service right now? So we started in our first five markets really based on the market demographics in terms of density, as well as um, looking at the competitive landscape. For us, we know we're going to be much more successful when we come into a community, a neighborhood, or a city that really doesn't have a competitive, compelling alternative for um, broadband connectivity. Um, In the United States, I'm sure you're familiar with the data, more than 60% of this country doesn't have Um, an alternative for uh, broadband connectivity. Um, There is one choice in the community, and I'm sure folks listening to this podcast, many of you probably can can really feel the pain of of not having the ability to choose between providers. And so um, we find a lot of success coming to these communities, bringing a high quality, um, affordable alternative um, to to customers and residents. So from a service provider's perspective, um, I wonder if you could talk to me a little bit about how Starry sees the digital divide. Obviously, the service, it sounds like um, it sounds like addressing people who lack internet access is at the core of, of your model. Is that, am I getting that right? 
Um, it's not only folks that lack internet access, but folks who, and you know, the, tor- the term um, cord cutting, um, that's really our core um, core audience. It's folks who long time ago decided that they did not want to be locked into a triple play or double play package and really have been able to find what I call life, life beyond uh, cable. Um, Uh where they are getting all of their content and media, they're consuming it over the top. Um, That's really our core consumer. Um, Uh But as I said, I'll go back to our core mission in that, you know, for us, it's about getting affordable, high quality broadband out to as many people as possible and really um, building a company that lives that every day. So in addition to us, you know, serving a cord cutting population, we also um, are focused on delivering broadband connectivity to communities that have been traditionally underserved and underconnected, namely folks living in public and affordable housing. And, you know, I think, you know, this pandemic that we've all been living through has really brought to the forefront um, the importance of having reliable, affordable broadband connectivity in the home, because it turns out you can't work and you can't learn from home if you don't have a reliable broadband connection. And right. for so, too many in our country, um, they're locked out of having that because of cost. And so, you know, again, our technology approach allows us to be able to drive down the cost of connectivity. And then our specialized programs like Starry Connect, which is our program that targets working with public and affordable housing communities to bring that price point down even further to $15 a month for robust, high-quality broadband. Um, for us, that is really um, a great combination of delivering connectivity to help further our communities um, and to really keep people connected, particularly right now when um, it's really the um, the only way we're staying um, in touch and, and working and productive. So I wonder if you can tell me a bit more about Starry Connect, how it works, and how you form relationships with public housing communities. So back in 2018, um, we actually recognized that this was a real um, a real issue that our residents, our community members that were living in public and affordable housing didn't really have access to high quality affordable broadband options. Right. Um, and so in 2018, we actually launched Starry Connect and we designed the program to really address two major defects that we saw existing in, in current other affordable uh, broadband um, access plans. First off, um, most of those plans at the time didn't even meet the federal definition of broadband speeds. Mm -hmm. And so we said, okay, if we're going to roll out a program, it has to absolutely exceed um, the definition of broadband. So our Star Connect program, um, our access plan provides 30 megabit symmetrical speeds as a floor to all of our um, all of our customers. The second piece was, and we had spoken to um, folks over at HUD and also other housing partners. We asked them, you know, why do people not adopt currently existing affordable plans? And they said the biggest issue was credit checks and complex eligibility requirements. Hmm. Um, incumbents made it such that you know there were 15 different forms you had to fill out. And you had to pass a credit check that showed that you had never been in arrears with the company over X period of time. And that, for a lot of families, was just an insurmountable barrier. And so we said, we're going to design a program that doesn't have that. And so we partnered directly with the housing owner to qualify the actual apartment community. So eligibility is actually tied to the apartment unit. It's not tied to the individual. So no matter who lives in apartment 3B, if you're living in a partner like 
the Boston Housing Authority or the Housing Authority of the City of Los Angeles or the Denver Housing Authority, which are our big public housing partners, um, whoever lives in that apartment unit will always have access to our low-cost plan, and they can just go to our website and sign up. They don't have to prove that they deserve the low-cost plan. It's just baked into it. And so what we wanted to do was make it easy for folks to adopt broadband. And so that was really the criteria we had in mind when we set up our Connect program. We launched it towards the end of 2018. And then at the end of 2020, last year, we ended with 29,000 units of public and affordable housing that participate in our Star Connect program, which means 29,000 households have access to our $15 um, affordable broadband plan. And our program continues to grow. We have wonderful um, partners on the uh, private affordable housing side, like Related Affordable and Beacon Communities and um, Starrett City in New York. Um, and we're continuing to grow this program. We're immensely proud of it. Um, we, we really accelerated the deployment of Starry Connect during the pandemic. We added 20,000 new units to our program from March to December alone last year. Um, it's something we're incredibly proud of and, and, and happy to continue to grow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I'd love to pivot a little bit and talk about policy. I know that that's something that you work on directly. Um, so what types of policies are you advocating for when it comes to Starry's ability to serve as many people as possible with high-speed internet? And just generally, you know, as somebody who knows about policy and knows about the internet, what do you think needs to change at a state or local or even national level um, for providers to be able to accelerate rollout to people who need it? Uh, Nicole, I think that's a great question. And um the answer is it's really a basket of solutions. Um, there isn't one single policy that's really going to change um, broadband access um, in the United States. And, and I'll start by saying we look at urban areas and then rural areas. When we look at the digital divide in urban areas, folks that don't have broadband, it's not because of an access issue, but it's because of an affordability issue. And the policies that we need to put in place in order to help drive affordability are going to be different from the policies we need to put in place in order to drive access for our fellow Americans that live in rural areas. So I'll focus first on on the urban piece. Um, So in order to drive affordability, we have to be able to drive competition, right? Um, Affordability will increase when there are competitive options. And for far too many folks in this country, and particularly in cities, many are stuck in sort of monopoly. Um, They have have no choice. And that's really kind of shocking when you say that to people, because I'll take New York City as an example. If you take a 10,000 foot view of New York City, it looks like New York City is just hyper competitive. There's five, six different broadband providers. Like, wow, people have so (laughs) many choices in New York. But then when you get down to a block and then you get down to a building level, you start to realize that if you live in X apartment building in Manhattan, you might only have one provider coming into there mm-hmm. or in Brooklyn or in Queens. And that's the issue that really drives costs is the lack of choice. Um, and so when we look at that, like what are the policies that can help providers, not just Starry, but other folks like that, like us that want to come in to compete? 
And so it's about looking at competitive access in urban areas. That's competitive access in the MDU environment, which is apartment buildings. It's looking at um, ways to lower barriers to deployment, right? Like how can you speed deployment of technologies like starring in, in an urban area? So looking at our permitting process and how we work with local municipalities. And then in terms of the adoption piece, because we know Starry will not be able to get and be everywhere, right? So if we're looking at policies of, 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 of what it takes to help um, accelerate adoption, then for our low-cost affordable plans, looking at getting rid of credit checks, getting rid of long-term contracts, and other really what I'll call punitive customer requirements that really deter folks from taking broadband. Um, I think some of those are, you know, some of the policies that, you know, I think that there's a real appetite at both the state and local level and the federal level to take on these issues and to really think about how um, how tweaks to, to, to rules and laws can really um, dramatically change um, the broadband landscape. You know, in rural communities, it is it is very much about an access um, issue and building out broadband to those areas. And I think that um, you know, the FCC has done a tremendous job in terms of getting funding out um, to to do just that. Um, and it's really just an issue of time and how quickly can folks build to those areas to bring that much needed connectivity. Right, right. So, all right. Well, I want to just to, to round things out, I, I, I would love to hear a little bit about the lessons you at Starry may have learned this past year in, in having to deliver internet service during a pandemic, particularly um, as a company that works with public housing. Um, and maybe just a little bit about what your plans are for the year ahead and where we might see expansion and, and further efforts to connect more communities. Gosh, there's so much in terms of, you know, what the, what the impact of the pandemic on all of our communities. And, um, you know, there really are, uh, there are so few silver linings, if you can even call them silver linings. But, but if there is one, it is that there is renewed interest and investment from state, local, and, and the federal government at looking at broadband issues. Um, and they're deeply focused on ways to expand broadband access and into increase affordability. I mean, for example, just this week in New York State, Governor Cuomo just announced a plan to require internet service providers operating in New York to offer a $15 broadband access plan to low-income households. I think right. had we not had a pandemic and we had not seen the real gaps in our communities um, in terms of broadband access, that a proposal like that you it would never have been considered. And, and mm -hmm. so things like that are on the table and that's a good thing. When, when and, and again, this is not a partisan issue, when everyone's talking about the fact that we cannot have um, Americans that don't have broadband access, like that's unacceptable. We have to find ways to be able to expand access. That's, that's all great because that means that everyone, hopefully everyone's oars are rowing in the same direction. Um, and yeah. I think that that's a big, a big um, takeaway from this pandemic. Um, I think, you know, as we look further down the road and, you know, optimistically emerging from this pandemic, I think a lot of really great things will come from it in terms of um, a real acceleration in telemedicine and telehealth and the fact that it can it can be done. But again, it, it, it is reliant on folks having that reliable connection coming into their home. Um, I think that, you know, 
that the lessons from this pandemic, you know, are really that these are policy questions and issues that we should have grappled with a long time ago. Um, Absolutely. So, um, but in terms of what's ahead for us, you know, we are continuing to grow. And while I'm not ready today to announce what cities will be launching this year, our roadmap over the next five to seven years will take us to more than 30 million households across the country. So um, we are, you know, expecting to have um, a pretty significant ramp, um, you know, not only just in 2021, but um, but beyond and, and getting to, to more places, um, both uh, along the dense urban corridor in our big cities, but also into more suburban and into more rural areas as well. So um, we still see that we have a lot of work ahead of us. Um, I'm excited because I think the more that we continue to talk about affordable broadband access and really lowering the barriers to adoption and and the more that we beat this drum, the more that we'll be successful, um, not just Starry, um, but, but really um, more broadly as a society to really making... Um, systemic change. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great place to end. Thank you so much, Virginia. I really appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to keeping up with how Starry continues to grow and develop. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much, Virginia Lamb Abrams, for joining me to talk about Starry. And thank you to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.